what is death? And what is life for that matter? Is death simply the absence of life? And is life simply the absence of death? Is it really that binary? And if so, then what did Jesus mean when he said you could have more life, when he said you could have abundant life? Is, if life and death are really that binary, then it, what Jesus said doesn't make sense. How can you have more in, of something that's binary? How can you have the abundance of something that's binary? It would seem that the definition of life and the definition of death have more to do than just the biological aspects of being alive or dead. We're going to look at the definitions of life and death on this week's episode of the Faith by Reason podcast. Welcome to the podcast. The website behind it all, as always, is faithbyreason.net. There you will find the blog and a ton of categories and this very podcast. So I have to start by apologizing again for being late with this podcast. I apologize. The, the schedule is supposed to be weekly, but as I said at the beginning of the last podcast, it's been a very, very busy and hectic time for me, and I've just not had the time to really dedicate to getting these podcasts out in the quality that I prefer, so I've just had to delay them. So I apologize, and I'm glad you bear you are, you are bearing with me, and I will try to make them um, a little more consistent and weekly um, going forward. So we are on the series of the first dispensation. We're on a series of the dispensations, and we've been um, talking about the first dispensation, the dispensation of innocence with Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden. And after taking a big picture look at what happened during the Eden narrative, we've now been talking about some of the concepts and terms that came out of that narrative of the first man and first woman on earth and you know what they did to to fall from grace and um, and how it affects us from from here forward because what they did really affects our lives and, and our futures. And we started by spending the last few episodes talking about justification. We talked about justification because when Adam and Eve fell, when they ate the forbidden fruit, the first thing they did was seek justification. Because, you know, when you do something wrong, when you are guilty of something, that guilt drives you to seek justification. And you can either seek the justification of God, wherein you try to justify yourself God's way through his provisions for forgiveness and repentance and confession, or you can justify yourself. You can try to either say that what you did wasn't really wrong or it wasn't as wrong as you, you may have thought it was. And it's a different justification where you say that what you did, you did, it was wrong, but it was okay because of whatever reason you give yourself. That's justification of man. And in the last three episodes, we talked about the worst form of justification of man, which again will lead you away from God because God's justification is right and just and man's justification by just by a definition, will not be right and just, will be the opposite of that. But the worst form of justification of man is called religion. Religion is when you justify yourself, you you use justification of man, but you are deluding yourself into thinking that God approves of your justification and he absolutely does not. So when you are religious, you are using justification of man as opposed to justification of God, but you believe is justification of God. So again, you are deluding yourself. And the more religious you are, the further you are away from God. So the more religious you are, the more likely it is that you will end up in hell and you will be surprised when you end up in hell because due to your delusion, you think you are actually justifying God when you are not. You are justifying yourself. You are being prideful. You are being selfish. You are being self-centered. And you are, again, thinking you're doing God's will when in fact you are doing the opposite. So please listen to the last three, four, five podcasts to really get a full understanding of what religion is, what justification is, and why it's so dangerous. So now we're moving on to another concept that 
came from the Eden narrative. God told Adam and Eve that the day they eat of the forbidden fruit, if they were to disobey him and eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil on that day, they will surely die. Which means that before that time, there was no death. Before Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, before they ate the forbidden fruit, death did not exist. So death is a new concept in our narrative. And since we are taking a systematic approach to looking at the plan of God and the biblical narrative, death is a new thing for us. So we need to really examine what death is, what it means, and also what life means. And I think we're going to come up with some, um, some, some surprising answers to that. So what is death? Well, the problem in defining death is that it has something in common with things like uh, darkness and uh, chaos and cold and even evil. And what it has in common with those things is that they don't exist on their own. They are actually measurements of the absence of something. You see, darkness does not exist as its own thing. Darkness is a measurement of the absence of light. How do we know that? Well, we talked about this uh, pretty early on in these podcasts. Darkness cannot exist without light. Light has to have existed first in order for darkness to exist. How do we know that? Because, well, you can bring light into a dark room. Light is its own thing. You can you can hold light. You, you can possess light. You can create light, but you can't create darkness. I can bring light into a dark room. I can bring in a candle or a light bulb into a dark room, but you can't do the opposite. You can't bring darkness into a light room. I can't bring a ball of darkness into a well-lit room. It's, it's impossible. I can't generate darkness. Same thing with heat and cold. Cold is a measurement of the absence of heat. I can bring heat into a cold room in form of a, a flame or some type of other thermostatic uh, device, but you can't bring cold into a dark room. You can't generate cold on its own. Cold only exists in the absence of heat. Chaos and order, the same thing. You can't have something chaotic until you have order. You have to have something orderly for the chaos to disrupt. You can't create chaos without order being there first. Order is the measurement of the absence. I mean, sorry, excuse me. Chaos is the absence of, 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 of order. And same thing with good and evil, but I'm not going to get too deeply into that because actually after we get through with um, talking about life and death, we're going to talk about good and evil. But just, just know as a preview that uh, evil is a measurement of the absence of good. Same thing with death. Death is the is a measurement of the absence of life. So in order to understand death, we need to understand life first. So what does it mean to be alive? Well, some would say that life means you're you have sentience, you're able you have self-awareness, which frankly means that most celebrities are not alive because most of them lack any type of self-awareness. Same thing with politicians. But I digress and I'm of course I'm being facetious. But sentience cannot be the only way you can measure life because there are other things that are alive that don't not, do not have sentience. Uh, you know, most you know most people and um, some of the higher level animals have sentience. They have self awareness. They they realize that, that they are something out that there is a world outside of themselves. But then when you get to the lower form of, of, of animal life, and you get to things like some of the lower you know, bacterium and fish and things like that, they have no self awareness. So, but they're alive. So so that can be it. And also you have plants. And vegetation, they're all alive. Trees and grass and uh, shrubs and things, things like that, they're all alive, but they don't have sentience. They don't have a mind to work. So that can't be the definition of life. You have to bring it down lower. And so we're going to go to the bottom of the rung of life, I'm sorry, on, on the bottom rung of the ladder of life, as we do with everything in the Faith by Reason uh, podcast and blog. We try to break things down to their you know, lowest level. So we really understand it from the basics. 
So sentience isn't it. We have to keep go even lower than that. What is the main difference between something that is alive on the most fundamental level and something that is dead? What's the difference between a body that's alive and, the, and a body that's dead? Aside from the smell, you know, dead people tend to have a unfortunate smell to them. There is something else that they have. And let's examine it. How do you die? Well, you know, most of us, when we're, when we're, not most of us, all of us, when we're born, we have, you know, fully functioning organs and bodily systems. And we're born, we're, you know, we're a small baby, and we have all these different systems that work, and we continue, and they start to grow. You know, you, you have, you know, you have your brain, you have your heart, you have lungs, you have bones, you have skin, you have blood, and so forth and so on. You start to grow and they grow bigger and, you know, and, and become more mature and become more stable. And you do that all the way up from, from birth until you say, I don't know, probably in your mid-20s. That's kind of when you, when you reach the apex of your maturity. And at that point, you kind of plateau for a while but into your 30s. And then you start to break down slowly. I know someone who's past my, my 20s. Um, things start to slow down a bit. You don't have the same energy as you used to. Um, you, you gain more maturity with experience, which is great. But unfortunately, your body doesn't quite have the same level of elasticity and, and ability to bounce back as you did when you were in your 20s. As they say, unfortunately, youth is wasted on the young because when you're young and vital, you don't have very much wisdom. So you do a bunch of stupid things, which I am as guilty of as anyone. But as I'm growing older and maturing, I find that I, I know how to do things better mentally. Unfortunately, my body is not responding in the same way it used to. Um, I, I got on a skateboard to teach my son how to how to you know work a skateboard a couple of years ago. And well, as I used to be a pretty good skateboarder when I was a teenager in my, in my early 20s, unfortunately, I'm not that great skateboarder anymore. And as I tried to teach my son how to skateboard, I slipped and fell and hurt my wrist and my shoulder pretty badly. And that's something that probably would have healed in a couple of days or weeks when I was you know, a, a teenager or in my 20s. Well, it's lingered for a really long time. And I go to the doctor and I say, hey, can you help me? And the doctor says, yeah, well, you know, you're just going to have to get used to the fact that you're going to heal slower and there's nothing we can do about it. You know, we're not going to even try to, to do anything special for you. We're not going to put you in a splint or anything. Just get some rest, put it up and stop skateboarding. So we, we keep getting older and our bodies don't bounce back the same way they used to. But eventually, as we get much older, we get to the point where our organs just don't work quite as well. Not just, you know, things like muscles and and things like that, but even our, our vital organs, our heart, our lungs, our liver just don't work quite as well. And as we continue to get older and we, we age, we get to the point where these organs are just functioning at, at very low levels. And eventually we get to the point where they don't function anymore. And when those vital organs, the ones that keep us alive, our kidneys, our, our liver, our lungs, our heart, when they can no longer function optimally, one or more of them will fail. And at that point, we die because we just can't get those vital nutrients. We can't get the right oxygen amount of oxygen to our brain. Um, our, our kidneys shut down, our liver shut down, and we we die. That's what happens. And that's what death is. It's when those vital functions no longer operate. So death is the inability for our, our body's vital functions to 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 work. So then the converse would be that life is the ability for those vital organs and those vital, vital bodily functions to work. But I think life, we need to be a little more specific about that. It's not just um, our organs functioning at an optimal level. What is life? Why do those vital organs continue to function? It's not because we don't injure them. As I said, when I was in my, my teens and 20s, 
that injury I had would have would have repaired itself faster. So it seems like a vital portion of life is that ability to repair and to repair quickly or, or actually to repair it all. Because as long as we can repair, we can continue to live. It, the, the only reason those organs fail, it would seem, is because they can no longer repair themselves. Be, uh, you know, there have been people who are younger who, who can injure a vital organ, a liver, a lung, a heart, a spleen or whatever, but they come back because they can repair. So life seems to be really tied into that ability to effectively repair and death would be the, the inability to repair those vital organs. Let's look at our cells. All of our cells, what they do is they reproduce. That's, a, that's really the, one of the main functions of cells. If you look at the nucleus, they are all, the nucleus of the cell is full of our DNA and that DNA is replicating itself. DNA, RNA, they, re they replicate themselves and they divide. Each one of our cells divide because our cells get, they get older, they wear out because they're finite. But as one cell is wearing out, that cell duplicates itself into a brand new cell. Every cell in our body, no matter whether it's a hair cell or a skin cell or a lung cell or a heart cell or a bone cell, they are always replicating and we get a brand new cell that's exactly like the cell that was dying off. And, and they take a certain amount of time to, re, to uh, replicate themselves. Some take hours, some take days or weeks. It's actually been said that we, in about 23 days, every single cell in our body has reproduced itself into a new cell. So technically speaking, we get a brand new body every 23 days. Unfortunately for some of us, it's the exact same body as we had before, but we, are, we, we get a new body every 23 days. So you would think that with enough nutrients from our food and you know sunlight and air and all those good things, our body should just continue to reproduce themselves in per, into perpetuity. Once we can, once we finish our growth stage, when we're in our mid twenties, when we've reached maturity, we should just continue to reproduce ourselves. I mean, if we keep creating exact functioning, fresh copies of each cell in our body, there's actually no reason why we should die. We shouldn't. And that's how we were designed originally. That's how Adam and Eve were designed. They were designed to continue to reproduce those cells every every 23 days. And we would have a new body every 23 days. So once we reach maturity, be it somewhere between 25 and 35, when we reach our physical maturity, we should never die. You know, barring some catastrophic accident, like, you know, a beheading or disembowelment, you would think that we would just continue to function. But we don't. And I think that really gets into the core of what death is as far as Adam and Eve are concerned and, and what has happened to us since. And we'll get into that in a second. But suffice to say for now that the reason that we die is because we can no longer repair. So then life in the most basic sense is the ability to repair. As long as we can repair any damage that happens to us, be it through the normal process of just wear and tear on our body or even an injury, as long as you can repair the damage that's done to you, and damage is inevitable, we're mortal, we're, you know, we, our, our, our flesh is you know, kind of soft and spongy, but as long as we can repair any damage that's done to us from any source, we should be able to continue to live. So let's just put a pin in the fact that life is the ability to repair. That is going to be our non-contradictory definition of life. Life is the ability to repair. So conversely, death is the inability to repair. If you can repair, you're alive. If you can't repair, then you die. So how does this jive with what I said in the beginning of this podcast? 
where I talked about life and death not being binary, or if they are binary, how can they be binary? When Jesus clearly says, and I'll, I'll, I'll link the verse in the show notes, Jesus says, you know, throughout his ministry, that with him, you can have more life. You can have abundant life. You can have everlasting life. If life is just the ability to not be dead, then you can't have abundance. But if it's something that's more qualitative, like repair, then it is possible to have more. How can you have more repairing? Well, you can be better at it. You can repair quickly. The faster you repair, the more more life you'll have. Because if you fall down and hurt your knee, well, right now you kind of be out down for the count. Right now, at at my age, if I were to twist a knee, break my, you know, not break, but you know, strain my ACL or my my MCL or something like that, I'm, you know, I'm going to be out for five or six months repairing that before I can walk or run again. But if my, if I had more life, if I had more abundant life, in other words, if I had a better repairing system, a more abundant repairing system, then instead of being down for the count for you know, five or six months, maybe it's only an hour or minutes. Then as soon as I, or, or, or the most life you could have, the everlasting life would be instantaneous repair. So as soon as I fall down, hurt myself, bam, I'm right back up and ready to go because my, I've been instantly repaired. That can be abundant life. But I don't think that Jesus really meant that we'd be able to get over physical damage that fast as, as our abundant life, because Jesus was more focused on the spiritual. God is more focused on the spiritual because he, as we talked about in an earlier podcast, the spiritual is much, much more important than the physical. We talked about this when we um, looked into the way the universe is, 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 is made up and it's made up of more than just our physical, that the spiritual is more important because the first several podcasts we talked about all these things that made up the universe, they were more ethereal. They were more spiritual than we didn't get into the physical world until like the 10th podcast. Whereas the, the spiritual stuff is really the things we talked about beforehand because they're much more important. So it's not just our physical repair that's important, but it's our physical, I'm sorry, excuse me, it's our spiritual repair. Um, and that spirit is our mind, it's our principles, it's, it's our soul, it's our spirit, it's the things that make up the real us, the real person that you are, the real person that I am. So if repair is, is not just physical, if it's spiritual, then everlasting life, abundant life, more life would, means, would mean that your spiritual makeup would be instantly repaired so that the things that have damaged you spiritually would be instantly repaired. So the things that damage you spiritually, like like pride, like selfishness, like all the sin and bad things that 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 um, occur in our minds and in our hearts, if those can be instantly healed, the moment they happen, then we could truly have eternal life because we would never have to worry about dying spiritually through through the things that that make up our spiritual life. And to take it to the the level that really interests us, and in being a part of God's plan, because we know that. God's plan, his plan for us is to be like him. And we learned several podcasts ago that in order to be with God, in order to be like God, which is his plan, we'd have to be always and completely right and just. And going to the podcast where we talked about how to be always and completely right, it really means repairing our mind. It really means taking, go back to the jelly bean analogy again. So please go back to the podcast where we talked about how to be right. And I gave you the analogy of the, of the jelly beans, which really means taking all of your wrong thoughts and replacing them with right thoughts. That's really the only way to be truly righteous and truly be like God. And that is a form of healing. That's a form of repair where we're repairing our minds of all of the wrong thoughts we have, all of the illicit thoughts we have and and replacing them with good thoughts. 
or the right thoughts or the righteous thoughts that come from God. That is how you repair your mind. That is how you have life because that is how you are like God. And God is immortal. God is everlasting. God is life. So that means that the life that God offers us, that ability to be always right like him really um, deals and, and, and is fundamental and part and parcel of always have, being a constant state of having our minds repaired and renewed and like him instantaneously, because that is that is the ultimate form of abundant life right now. We have a source of life. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives within you and he is constantly prodding you and, and, and helping you to repair the damage that's done. And how fast we do that depends on how close we are to God. And that's in our human form. And for some of us, we, we're faster than others at doing that kind of repair. But if we have eternal life with God, and that means that we are we our wrong thoughts are, are repaired instantaneously so that we never have a moment where we're not always and completely right and just. And that is what eternal life is like, will, will be like with God, with Jesus in the afterlife in heaven. And that's what we are striving for. And that's what true life is. So that's what Jesus meant when he said you can have an abundant life. You will have life that's never ending because that repair of any of your wrong thoughts happens so quickly. You don't even notice it. So you're always right and just with God because your mind is always repairing itself instantaneously. Okay, so what does that have to do with Adam and Eve and how did they lose this life? Apparently they had this level of life before, but they were instantly repaired physically and mentally and spiritually, again, instantaneously. And it had to do with their fellowship with God. So let me give you an explanation of this that came from a really interesting um, uh, article that I read. Um, a while back, there was a, a, a physician. He was actually a doctor and a geneticist, and he was—he was not a Christian. He was—I wouldn't say he was an atheist. I'd say he was more of an unbeliever. And there's a difference between being an unbeliever and an atheist. An unbeliever simply means you don't necessarily believe in a god. An atheist is someone who actively fights against God, which means you're insane. And go back to the some of the talks I had about atheists. Not important right now. He was a doctor and a geneticist. Um, he became a Christian, and the reason he became a Christian was when he looked into the the way cells divide and what happens there. He looked at a, at a child a, a, at birth. You have you know the sperm and the egg, they come together. They each have 26 chromosomes, they come together. I'm 23 chromosomes, excuse me. They come together, they have 46. And so that, that sperm and egg become a zygote. And that zygote divides perfectly. And you have two cells, then four, then eight, then 16, so forth and so on. And they just become a cluster of cells. And then at some point, you see, if you're looking under a microscope at that zygote, you see a little line form down that cluster of cells. And that, that line becomes a spinal cord. And then you start to see differentiation that you know, some cells become heart cells, some become lung cells, some become bone cells and skin cells and blood cells. But even though the, the sperm and the egg had, had enough of the chromosomes to have the potential to become all of those things, it's sort of like... It's like having several different coats of several different buckets of paint and a canvas. You have the potential there in that in those buckets of paint and that canvas to paint the most beautiful picture in the world, but it requires something else. You can't the raw materials can't do it on their own. They need something else. They need a coordinator. It's it's like having an orchestra where you have all the different areas. You have the violin section. You have the woodwind section. You have the brass section. And you have all the potential to make a symphony, but you need something in order to make it work. You need a conductor. And that conductor is not a part of the orchestra. The artist is not a part of the paint and the canvas. They're outside of it. That geneticist, that doctor, he noted that for every cell division, 
that occurs when that baby is going from being a zygote to being a functioning human being, it requires information coming from outside of the fetus. In fact, his conclusion was every cell division that that fetus makes requires outside information from God. And that's why he became a Christian, because he suddenly realized, oh, my, oh, my God, no pun intended. In order for this to happen, every cell division needs input from outside of it. It needs intelligence to coordinate it all. So God is in every single cell division. And that's, and he extrapolated that it's not just from a fetus in the womb, but it's in our, in, in our cells too. Every cell we have, every time it divides, it requires information from God. God is in every one of our cell divisions. And if God is there and God is perfect, then every cell division will be perfect. But what if God wasn't there anymore? Well, our cells could still divide because the raw material is still there, but it wouldn't be perfect anymore. And that's what happened with Adam and Eve. That's why death happened. Because God said, again, the day that you eat of the tree of the, of, of, of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Well, the problem is Adam, Adam didn't drop dead as soon as he ate the fruit. He lived a long time, actually, according to Genesis uh, uh, chapters chapters four and five. Adam lived for hundreds of years. He, lived, he, he was over 900 years old. So he didn't drop dead, but he did eventually die. So that's why we have to look at the actual uh, definition, the, the etymology of that word, de- of that verse. It doesn't say in that day you will surely die. That's the, that's the English translation. The actual translation is the day you eat of the of the uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in dying you shall die that's really the more accurate translation in dying you shall die in other words you will, the day you eat of that fruit you will begin to die and what does that mean you will begin to die well when they ate of that fruit for the first time in their existence adam and eve separated themselves from god they no longer were in perfect fellowship with god their fellowship with god was imperfect what does that mean? That means that God's fellowship with them and every with every cell in their body became imperfect. So before they ate of the tree, before they ate that fruit, God was perfectly intertwined with every cell division they had, giving them that perfect information. So every cell division was perfect. But when they fell, when they no longer had that fellowship with God, it was imperfect to whatever degree. And so that every cell division became imperfect. And because it was imperfect, it began to decay and degrade and they began to die. That's why their their cells for their hearts and lungs and their vital organs, that, that division was no longer perfect. There was a little flaw. And over time, those flaws became greater and greater and greater to the point where those organs failed and they physically died. And it took them 900 years plus to die. Why? Because, well, they were closer to God than we were than we are now, but now at this age, you know, thousands of years later, we're so far from God that we only live, what, 70, 80 years if we're lucky, if we don't get hit by a car or slapped around by a bear or, you know, mauled by a lion or, you know, get Ebola or something. If we're lucky, we live maybe 70, 80, 90 years, but our organs will fail. Why? Because we are, we are not connected to God perfectly anymore. So God is not perfectly coordinating that symphony of cell division. And because he's not doing that anymore, we are, our cells are, are divided imperfectly. And those imperfections uh, amplify over time as they would in a cascading effect, in a snowballing effect to the point where after, again, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, our cells have become so inefficient 
at dividing properly that we start we grow old. Our skin loses elasticity. Our our cells be, our um, our blood cells don't work quite as well. Our lungs don't function as well. Our liver doesn't function as well. The damage that's done from the food we eat, from the air we breathe, from the toxins in our environment, they don't heal as fast because our cells are not perfect anymore because God's no longer involved as perfectly as he was at the beginning because we are no longer in perfect fellowship with him and our bodies decay. And over time, they decay to the point where they no longer function optimally and they fail. Our liver fails, our heart fails, our lungs fail, our brain fails, and we die. That's what death means. The reason that we die is not just is it, the, the effect is that our vital organs fail, but the cause of death is we are no longer in perfect fellowship with God. That is why we die. Not the, the, again, the effect of, of death, is, the effectual cause is that we that our bodies are, are corrupted and they don't function optimally and we they wear down and they decay. But the reason for that, the cause for it is that we're no longer in fellowship with God. And that is due to Adam and Eve's sin. When they sinned, they lost fellowship with the conductor of the orchestra, with the artist. And because they have that imperfect relationship with him, that imperfect fellowship with him, all of our cells and our bodies have that imperfect fellowship. And because they are imperfect, they wear out over time. That imperfection becomes amplified and it snowballs to the point where we age. We don't repair as effectively. We repair slower. Like again, when I was, like I said, from the very beginning, when I was younger, I repair faster. But as you get older, as you spend more time in this imperfect fellowship with God, our bodies wear down and we die. So to wrap things up, the definition of life is the ability to repair. The ultimate life is the ability to repair instantaneously. And that's what we would have with God. But the further we are from God, the less efficient we are at repairing. And over time, that those inefficiencies amplify to the point where our cell division are, are so corrupted that we can no longer function and we can no longer reproduce our cells perfectly in order to keep those vital organs working and we die. So death is the absence of repair. Ultimate life, ultimate eternal life, ultimate abundant life is instantaneous repair. Death is inability to repair. And it has everything to do with our fellowship with God. And that's why we die. So um, we're at about half the, half hour, the half hour mark, excuse me. So we are going to wrap this up and we, we understand now why we we die and how we live. So in the next podcast, what I want to talk about is the solution to this. Because again, God wants us to live with him forever. That's the, the, the meaning of life is for us to be with God forever. And God doesn't want a bunch of dead people hanging around. You know, he only really, he's really into zombies. He's, I don't know if God's a fan of the walking dead. But if you look at that show, there's the people who are the walking dead are not you know, terribly lively, not really people you want to hang out with and have a party with and you know, have a nice glass of wine with, which God wants with us. And I mean that um, sincerely. He doesn't want to have wine with us. That's in the Bible that you know, Jesus said himself that um, when we see him again, we're going to have some really great wine, which for a wine lover like me is a pretty awesome prospect. But the point is that God wants us to have abundant eternal life 
with him, not eternal death with him, which means that there has to be some type of solution, some type of provision for us to regain that life because all of us, unfortunately, thanks to the sin of our great, 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 etc. ancestors, Adam and Eve, we are cut off from God. We are no longer in, we're not born in fellowship with him like they were, but there has to be a solution and God has that solution. So in the next podcast, we're going to talk about what that provision, what that solution is. Hypothetically, how could we regain that life? We're going to talk about what what is the aspect in our bodies and in our minds that renews and and um, causes life to to keep functioning. And just a, a quick hint, it has a lot to do with the, with blood. And you know, it sounds kind of gory, but it's it's true. The Bible makes it pretty clear that blood is vital to life. So we need to have some type of blood repair. So again, we're going to talk about that in the next podcast. So uh, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Um, please give me your comments on either on the Facebook page if you're listening via Facebook or better yet on faithbyreason.net if you're listening that way or you can even try to do it on any of the other listening devices that you that you have. We, we can listen to it via iTunes, via Google Play, via um I think we have TuneIn Radio, and there are several other ways you can listen to it that way. Please give me your comments. Subscribe. By all means, please subscribe on the website. Um, you can just go to your right, and there's a little subscribe area. You put your email in, and you can subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe, again, via your podcast or via Google Play or TuneIn or any of the other ways that we um, uh, broadcast. I would appreciate that. And we will talk next week, and we continue our the, um, the, the series on life and death. 